welcome to the final movie ghoul round it's the film podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule during halloween especially this week's theme is you did this to us Everybody, as you are listening to this, it is Halloween Day. We're going to drop this in the morning that way you can enjoy it mm. on Halloween if you would like to. So, happy Halloween! I hope, happy I hope Halloween. you're having a safe uh, and exciting Halloween and, and staying safe with all those good things that are in today's world. <laughs> all those not good things, but at least Halloween is a good thing. Uh, Nicole Davis, how are you? I'm good. Don't give your edibles to the children, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, don't do that. Yeah, and check the candy. I, nobody's going to give... Th- nobody's no, going to give I was about to say, is so checking <laughs> candy still a thing, or is that was just my neurotic mom? Sorry, mom. Uh, there's never actually been any widespread reports of people tampering <laughs> no, with candy. No, of course candy. not. Uh, David Luzader, everybody. Um, yeah, man, I'm, clearly, David, you have not seen Halloween Kills, because there's a scene in that. Well, uh, uh, very clearly, I have not, no. <laughs> uh, well, we watched a movie that you, the audience picked because it was you did this to us and it's the end of movie ghoul round which you do every october this is your opportunity to pick for us something spooky something scary something that involves halloween adjacent halloween something that is halloween adjacent which is probably the best way to describe this movie uh Mm. to be fair i will say that the audience was directed to choose something spooky and they did choose the movie that might have the word spooky in it more than any other movie well, it takes so, place on Spooky Island. Right. So they, they, you know, they followed the instructions. I will give them that. Uh, but before I introduce it, a reminder for next week's movie. We are done with movie Ghoul Round, unfortunately. Year three behind us. It is a new to two pick uh, next week. And it's my pick. And I am going to be introducing David and Nicole to The Social Network. So let's talk about Scooby do (laughs) came out in 2002 after an acrimonious breakup the mystery gang are individually brought to an island resort spooky island where they will have to work together to find out what's been happening to the visitors of spooky island and i just keep wanting to say spooky island because i love the one of the opening scenes where they're boarding a plane to spooky island they're getting on spooky air to go to spooky island (laughs) But of course, man built an entire airline for his theme park. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so I'm I'm going to go ahead and, and start with my first discussion topic here, which is that I am apparently a sleeper agent for this movie, and this movie is my trigger. I did what not remember mean? this. So let me explain here, because I'm going to lay something out here at the top of the show. It's going to impact my entire view of this movie. Uh, I did not remember this movie. And then the moment it turned on, I was like, oh, my God, I know every single plot beat. Because at some point in my life as a child, I must have seen this a million times. And I knew every single plot beat. And by the end of it, no matter how awful it is and how terribly written it is, sorry, James Gunn, no matter how badly acted it is, I loved it. This movie is stupid and insane, and I'm here for it, and I'm a changed man. I'm here to defend Scooby-Doo 2002. Oh, so okay. I have been awoken. Wow. Wow, and I thought, and I was worried coming out of this, that I was going to have to be the sole defender of this film. 
Because, wow. Look, look, I saw this movie. And I remember seeing this movie in theaters with my grandmother. Um, it's an appropriate movie for a grandmother to take yeah. her grandson to, I think. Um, and and I will fully admit, like, I'm going to tear into some parts of this movie yeah. hardcore. But at the end of the day, like, I still I have a, I have a big soft spot for this movie. Yeah. All right. I, now, There's I something didn't about the nostalgia that I didn't know I had. Yeah. Okay. So let's yeah. let's talk about Nicole. I, how much I, Nicole I hates the Goonies? I grew up with Scooby Doo. I grew up with Scooby Doo reruns on TV. Sure. And of course, you know, when you're a kid, if well, back when I was a kid, and it was all you know, network TV, uh, no cable. Is you were at the mercy of whatever was on, and if Scooby Doo was on, I would watch it, even though I didn't like it, because if it was the only cartoon, you watch the cartoon, right? You don't oh, yeah. want to watch right. boring yeah. regular people. Um. But I never liked Scooby Doo. There's always something I found deeply unsettling about Scooby himself, and I, I think it was the Uncanny Valley thing, where it's like kind of like a person and kind of like a dog, and he had that big jutting lower jaw with like mm-hmm. messy stubble on it, which is totally wrong <laughs> for a dog. So, um, uh, but it's Scooby. I j- but yeah, but I didn't. L- he was not a smart dog, and he was not a winsome dog, and he he was not a good-looking dog. The animation was ugly, and it's just like ugh. I wow, I didn't okay. like it at all. Man, so I went okay, into this Scrooge prepared. I, I went in prepared to hate it. I went in prepared <laughs> yeah. to hate it. I will sure. say right now, I will admit I didn't hate it. I didn't hate this movie. Okay. <laughs> All wow. right. Progress. Yeah. yeah. See, I grew up with Scooby, and like I grew up with the reruns of the original series, Same. and then around the time I was growing up, they had launched sometime in the 90s the pup named Scooby-Doo. A pup named Scooby-Doo, yeah. And and I grew up on those in particular. Um, so it's funny, because you mentioned in the, in the discussion topics, Nicole, that this movie has a scene where... They hit the four staples of crude humor in kids' movies. Pee, burps, farts, and snot. And that's totally true. And you mentioned that none of it's in the TV show. Just true. Not in the original TV show, though. There's a oh. lot of fart jokes in a pup named Scooby-Doo. So, uh, the, but yeah. I, I want to, before we move off, I mean, look, I know we're not talking about a pup named Scooby-Doo, but I want to mention yeah. my favorite part of a pup named Scooby-Doo, which is... Um, there's a character named Red Herring that yeah. <laughs> Fred Fred in every single episode um, accuses of being the culprit yeah. of the crime. It's a, it's a really good running. That's clever. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you're right. That that this is far more juvenile than I think Scooby was meant to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is so. So dialing back a moment, like Scooby Doo as a whole was always designed to be a wink and a nod to the parents. Hence, the Scooby Snacks and the mystery machine with the billowing smoke coming out of it. See? You know, it was always meant to be a wink and a nod. I, I and this think, movie kind of know. loses that. No, I don't think... No, it, that's like been confirmed. Well, I don't. But, I, I think it was a wink and nod to like some older audiences. I don't know about parents, because when this was coming out, I don't, oh. think, I don't think a lot of parents probably... Uh, Let's just say that um, pot humor is much more widespread now than it was back Fair enough. Then. Fair enough. 
Um, but apparently this movie, when James Gunn wrote it, and I'm just going to keep saying that without explaining it yet, because we'll dive into that separately, uh, was supposed to be PG-13. They were going to be playing on all of the ridiculousness of Scooby-Doo and leaning more into stuff like Shaggy quite literally being a stoner in the movie and doing stuff like that. And what ended up happening was they signed the cast on for that. And the cast was like, cool, sounds great. And then the studio bait and switched them and made them make a family children's movie. So there are scenes that were cut, and you can see them on YouTube and stuff, that are a little bit more raunchy and a little bit, they play a little bit more with some of those aspects of Scooby-Doo and less the fart jokes and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think some of that is still like some of it's still like there's hints of it in the movie. Like there's a scene when uh, Scooby and Shaggy are in the mystery machine, and it it sounds like they're smoking pot. Uh, yeah. And, and their hot box in the mystery machine. Yeah, their hot box yeah. in the mystery machine. And it uh, and then like the whole Mary Jane thing. Like that's my favorite name. You yeah. know, stuff <laughs> like that still kind of slipping its way in there. Which uh, Isla yeah. Fisher, Isla Fisher's in this movie. Just feel like I should mention that uh, this is like before we knew who Isla Fisher was, so it's not like super weird that she'd be in this movie, but it's like surprising now. Boy, oh boy, those sure do look like Scooby snacks. I know they're for dogs. They're 100 percent vegetarian, and and I love them. Like me too. Far out. I have never met another person who loves Scooby Snacks. Me neither. I'm Mary Jane. Like, that is my favorite name. Really? Yeah. No way. I feel like Wedding Crashers was like her big mm-hmm. break. And, and it's weird to see her not redheaded. Just that in general throws me off. Seeing her in the, the blonde haircut that I, I don't know works as well for. <laughs> Everyone has a very distinct style in this movie. Yes. I mean, this movie is is so 2000s. It doesn't just feature a Sugar Ray song, but actually Sugar Ray is David Putnam yes. about it. <laughs> that scene. Sugar Ray are bad guys in this movie, which is kind of awesome. <laughs> There's like a scene where one of them smashing through a, like, a building with a guitar. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's not, uh, and Scooby-Doo, like... They eventually started having guest stars, and like I, I don't know. There's part of me that thinks there must have been a version of the script where Sugar Ray helped solve the mystery. <laughs> I so and hope they, so. And they just like ended up keeping like oh, but there's like Sugar Ray's playing right here. But oh, I mean, oh my god, the style, like the hair in this movie, it, the, the clothes that like the teenagers are wearing. I love that they're poking fun at like the stupid way white people were talking. Uh, that was basically like appropriating the way that black people were talking in really awkward, stupid ways. Um, I don't know. Just, just I forget that the two thousands. Oh Skillet. God! <laughs> I forget that the two thousands had like an aesthetic. Because then I think back and I'm like, yeah, people kind of like dress the same as they did now. And then I watch this movie and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> no, things were different. <laughs> it was a different time. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure how to. How how would you describe the two thousands the early the early aughts aesthetic? Because it's it's like a weird amalgamation of a couple different styles, and none of them work together. Yeah, bad, Limp? boring, uh, frosted tips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, frosted tips were definitely part of it. Um, I don't know. I mean, you, the thing is, the 
bolder style choices from every decade are the ones you're going to make fun of later. You know, mm -hmm. like you had bell bottoms and giant pointed collars in the 70s. In the 80s, you had, you know, neon colors and oversized tops and mm -hmm. now it, giant hair. <laughs> Full cans yeah. of Aquanet on those dudes. Yeah, the '90s <laughs> I, uh, is like yeah, appropriating hip hop culture everywhere, and yeah. then the 2000s is just sort of—I uh, don't know. It's like everything's eased down. I can't think of a distinctive style from th the 2000s. Well, and they even—I um, don't know. There's just some of this that's very much like the 2000s punk scene that I see in it, like MXPX yes. plays in this movie. MXPX does a version of the Scooby-Doo theme song. And there's just like so many people in this movie that I'm seeing on here. I'm like, yeah, I, I could see them at an MXPX concert in 2002. Um, 100%. Just like very clearly. Yeah, this they it's the aesthetic of an Avril Lavigne music video <laughs> for the entire movie. This is all Skater Boy. Uh, and, there you go. Uh, <laughs> But the style choices in particular for the for the four of them are 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 so so bold and car and outlandishly cartoonish. Like they feel out of place even within their their already outlandish setting. I don't know. I mean, yeah, the, I guess it works. Guess there's no it, other way. I don't think there's any other way to do it. Like I'm not necessarily criticizing it. I mean, Daphne right. has to be all pink, and Fred has to be. Blue, uh, with the, it's, but it's, it's it reminds pink. me of it reminds me of the Brady rather, Bunch yeah. movie, kind of. Where it's Which like is also this, great, by the way. This cartoonish family dropped into a roughly real world sort of mm -hmm. world, with the exception of Spooky Airlines and Spooky Island. You know, um, <laughs> it's relatively the real world. You know, Teen Beat exists. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> Pamela Anderson's there. Pamela Anderson <laughs> comes yep. in. It was also a walking cartoon, to be fair. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're you're right. They are very, you know, Daphne's always wearing everything in purple and uh, Vilma's got her orange sweater and her, you know, Dorothy Hamill haircut and Ugh, the world in which they thought they could make Linda Cardellini look homely. Okay, hold on. I'm like, I gotta take umbrage you with you, sir. <laughs> when was Velma ever supposed to be homely? No, I, no, you're right. Not, homely's not the right word. Um, frumpy? I think she was always supposed to be like a little frumpy. It was, I guess there's, I don't remember this, but it's probably true. I, I was reading that there's always illusion in the, in the shows to her being a lesbian. And then that was supposed to be in this script. And then they wrote it out and gave her the random dude at the end. I don't know that it was um, ever explicitly that. Yeah, I think it's yeah. just they always made her so socially awkward that there's no way you'd think of her having a boyfriend. Right, right. Like but I, I guess what I'm saying pretty is, much. yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like I think like Velma's supposed to just be so incredibly awkward, and Linda Cardellini is so inherently charming, and then you combine that with. I don't know. It just it, it's a weird cast. That's the only casting I think is a little bizarre. Well, well, I think she's so good. I think she's good. I like and her. This is, yeah. And this is where I reveal that my giant crush on Linda Cardellini, um, <laughs> of which I have no shame. I, I, I she's just. I know we're going to talk about Freddie Prince Jr. and that I think uh, Nicole has some thoughts on Freddie Prince Jr. being in this movie. <laughs> I have thoughts, but I I think generally the casting, like Sarah Michelle Gellar, I think. 
did a really great job as like Daphne, you know, coming off of Buffy or around the time of Buffy, like still kind of playing into that role a little bit. Uh, yeah. Matthew Lillard is obviously so good as Shaggy that he went on to have a career as Shaggy, like in the cartoons even. He's like yeah. still voicing it. I, I think generally the the cast works. No, they totally do. They totally do. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I just think it's funny that that there's there was she was always supposed to be the incredibly awkward character, and I think she actually has a fair amount of charm in this movie. Um, and I, it, it works. I, I, but let's talk about Freddie Prince Jr. There's a reason that so many uh, so many nerds of an older generation have a thing for Velma. It's just all I'm saying. I'm not saying it's with Linda Cardellini. I'm just saying that. People, people like Velma. Velma does happen. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing to do with the fact that Velma wears mini skirts and is busty. And a tight, and a tight sweater. <laughs> no, nothing <laughs> at all. <laughs> so, Freddie Prince, Freddy Prince Jr. Jr. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. You don't think he's well cast for this, Nicole? No. I, oh. <laughs> no, definitely not. L- number one, I... Let's just say I've never been impressed with his acting ability. Well, um, sure. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, I think it's really gross that they changed his complexion to try to make the blonde fit him better. Mm. <laughs> um, I didn't even notice that. D- oh, they yeah. Really? They whiten and pink him up quite a bit uh, from his natural skin tone. Uh, it's, I, it's just icky. The whole character is icky and annoying. I mean, I, I see what James Gunn was going for in writing him as this vain, uh, pervy, kind of pervy, like a vain frat boy, but slightly more of a leader with a little bit. Yeah. Still got a little bit of charm to him. Tiny um, bit. I, I I will say, one of my one of my favorite inner moments of the movie for Fred uh, is when they're on the airplane and uh, Scooby starts barking at a cat and uh, Freddy's <laughs> like, "Oh no, you have to!" You know, it's all about like asserting dominance. Like you just got to give a flick on the nose, and he like you know looks at Scooby and flicks him and tells him to stop, and then Scooby just punches him in the face. Maybe it was catharsis that, that made that, but I just I really enjoyed oh. that. Uh, Grandma? Velma, Velma. It's simple behavior modification. It'll cause a dog to discontinue any action. You simply flick it on the nose. Observe. Scoop. Hmm? See? Oh! Oh, I laughed out loud. It, it is there's some there's some genuinely good gags in this movie. For every painfully awkward fart joke, there 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 is a reasonably decent gag. Yeah, um, I'll give it that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think especially Prince Junior, the, like the Easter egg stuff to the old show. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's some um, really with good old man Smithers in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, and Velma's losing her glasses, and yeah, yeah. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, moving yeah, away Freddy from Prince Freddy... Jr., no good. <laughs> okay. Well, what do you guys think about the attempted um, 
the attempt the way they attempt to make um Daphne less of a damsel in distress by her getting a black belt. I was kind of hoping she would go full yeah. Buffy at some point. I thought That's that what was, was going to be yeah. I kinda the thought, gag. Yeah. I mean, she does. I mean, she does beat up a luchador. Which, by the way, I must have just tuned out at some point in this movie when they introduced a luchador. It's, he's introduced all once. of a sudden. All of a sudden, a luchador shows up, and I'm like, "What the hell? Where did I, this guy come I'm from?" I'm convinced I mean, they filmed the fight scene, and then we're like, "Wait, we haven't shown this guy any other part in the film. Let's go like, back and he introduce not, him." He doesn't match the aesthetic of the island. He's not like he doesn't seem to be. I don't. I, I, I have so many questions about the luchador, but uh, go it's ahead, the kind of, It's the kind of thing they would do in the original series, it's though. It's true. Yeah. Just yeah. have stuff totally out of place. It's like, why are the Harlem Globetrotters here? <laughs> God, I would have loved the Harlem <laughs> oh, Globetrotters yeah. just showed up. Um, I think the Daphne thing, like, I agree. I wish it had played up more. Like, there is the one scene where it all pays off. But up to that point, she had been, like, a little bit. And I, I actually did appreciate the wink and the nod of, like, Fred and Velma are taken. And so... You got Daphne, Scabby, (laughs) Daphne, uh, Scooby, and Shaggy, like, left over. And there's, like, a brief acknowledgement of, like, when it comes to actually dealing with the situation, we're kind of the B team. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I wish they had shown, like, she'd become a little more competent. And, you know, it's fun watching her beat up the luchador and call him the damsel in distress. And, I mean, she does save the day at the last minute. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so. at least at least a little bit satisfying. Yeah, tiny bit, tiny bit. But yeah, I, re- I really wanted to see her kicking more butt. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine watching this movie and it's how your parents met? <laughs> Just for, for, for Freddie Prinze Jr. And, and, and Sarah Michelle Gellar's kid. <laughs> I thought they were together before I thought they, they were cast too. in this movie. I thought, I thought they met each other on the movie. Um, maybe I'm mistaken. Well, no, I'm, I'm guessing that's how they why Freddie Prince Jr. has the role. I suspect they oh, cast. So they, they, that might, they, that might very well be true. They were married in 2002, which, assuming they didn't yeah, meet so on this set and go to that. Vegas. Oh, okay. I don't know. Celebrities do that. Okay, fair enough. Um, they, yeah, so, they, so they met uh, while filming I Know What You Did last summer. Oh, okay. Yeah, they didn't begin dating until 2000. So there you go. There we go. Okay. Uh, so, talking about a c- couple other cast members here. Matthew Lillard. He's Fantastic. brilliant in it. This is where the casting director yeah. should get a raise and not get fired, as Nicole thinks he should be for Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he is He is shaggy. Yeah. Like, that's all I have to say about it, is that he embodies the character so perfectly, you forget he's an actor. Whereas, I look at the others, and I'm still like, oh, yeah. He that's, is that's still... It, as So, he did not voice... The character in Scoob, but they're supposed to be kind of like younger versions, I guess. But but he's doing it on HBO Max. Even even this year, he has voiced Shaggy three times in three different Scooby Doo related things, and like for yeah, TV there, there's shows, a current show. Yeah, he's yeah. still going. Yeah, like I didn't care for Matthew Lillard that much because I'd only ever seen him play obnoxious characters before, (laughs) like Scream and Wing Commander and that kind of stuff. Um, But here he's just so... He's just, like, so pure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's He's just so 
such a kindly soul that you kind of, you know, and it's charming yeah. in his odd way. And it's just, it won me over completely. At least his character won me over completely. His, Rest of the movie, not so much. And, but his, and his big, you know, he's, he's got his like big eyes. He's so good. Oh, and, I, and I think one thing this movie gets right too is that like the heart, at the heart of Scooby-Doo, they really place um, the relationship between like Scooby and Shaggy, like you know mm. the the side the, the, the other characters kind of have their little love stories off to the side, but like the real driving force of this movie emotionally, and it's weird to talk about the emotional driving force of this film, um, is the relationship between Scooby and Shaggy, and I and I think that you know really works, and Matthew Lillard like being pitch perfect as Shaggy like really really sells that. Right. And I mean he nailed honestly at the the very opening scene when you first hear Shaggy. I think he's like in a barrel so you only hear the voice first. Mm-hmm. I I was like did they like piece together bits of Casey Kasem's old performances <laughs> right. as Shaggy to come out cuz he gets the voice absolutely 100% dead on mm-hmm. to the way Casey Kasem used to voice Shaggy back in like, the original cartoon. Far out, man! I, I can't yeah. <laughs> even do it close to how Lillard can. He's so good. So oh, he's perfect. He's perfect. Now, what about Scooby? Because yeah. um, Nicole, Nicole thinks Scooby is a you know terrifying amalgamation, and, and that he may be, I suppose. But at least he I looks more him, like a dog. <laughs> I find him very cute in this movie. I, I got to be honest. I just I find his his character very lovable. It's fine. I love Scooby. You know? <laughs> I, I, no, I, I just want to give him big old pets. I think in this one, they toned down the goofiness of his appearance a little bit. And I mean, he's a giant CGI dog, but he looks really good for 2002. You know, the CGI is, is what it is. Um, yeah. I just, the oh, eyes are always going to be kind of that, wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but here's, here's the thing. If you've seen the recent trailer for Clifford, <laughs> you will know that this movie looks about as good as that. <laughs> yeah, looks they haven't awful. made much progress with CGI dogs. <laughs> it's, so. Yeah, it's well, it's, yeah, it's the eyes, like Nicole said. I mean, the fur, like a little bit. Honestly, it's it's better in the Twilight movies, and it's not that great in the Twilight movies. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. I, part part of me wonders is like, but it's meant to be you... kind of cartoony looking. Still, yeah, and I actually think that when they're interacting with Scooby, by and large, he looks pretty good. The only time to me the CGI looks genuinely awful is when characters are physically interacting with the monsters, mm. like when they yeah. pick Velma up or things like that. Then you then yeah. it looks like a green screen. It does not look great. Yeah, no, the monsters are they're I mean they're well animated, and if this were just like an all CGI movie or an all animated movie, I'd think they looked great. Mm-hmm. But they don't fit with everything else here. I, I agree, and I, I, luckily they're only in one scene. They're in a couple. Well, uh, yeah. So I mean, it, it just like so, briefly, like they don't come back. Like the the final scene isn't like them fighting a bunch of monsters. It's just fighting one monster. Yeah. So question about that. Um, this to me, as much as I have apparently discovered a love of this movie, uh, doesn't it kind of miss the whole point of Scooby-Doo, which is that none of it's real is that they all, there's always a mask to be pulled off. 
which I guess they're tied there technically is at the end of this movie. But I like, mean, it's it's never actually supernatural goings on. Right, right. There's always a reason, and there's always that opportunity for Velma as as they as they do in in the the cold open, you know, with the with Mr. Smithers to explain like, and this is how he flew, and like they always had that. There was never anything real in Scooby Doo mm-hmm. cartoons, and then they take a hard left turn here and have real brainwashing flying protoplasm. monster ghosts protoplasm ghost things and that's that's the one thing that throws me is like i think the whole fun of scooby-doo is that they're discovering a mystery that they can then solve that has a fun explanation at the end there's always in the cartoons a really cool way that mr smithers learned how to fly or whatever Maybe that's how they pitched it, though, to the studio as saying, you know, Scooby-Doo, but what if the ghosts were actually real? Right. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, I think for a movie, yeah. I can see like for like a movie, especially a kid's movie, like the stakes have got to be a little bit higher than just like the deed to the abandoned amusement park is in question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair point. Fair point. Um yeah, I mean, that's the other thing about the, how this movie was written that I think is actually really funny, which is we learn, spoiler alert, that Scrappy-Doo is behind everything. Yes. Yep. Um, I like how they never acknowledge that Scrappy-Doo is related to Scooby. They just ne- they just decide, I mean, it's obvious, but they never acknowledge it in the movie. Um, but also, it's Scooby's nephew, which is mm-hmm. just like... Don't, don't, don't question for a dog it, to just, have just a go with oh, it. Yeah, okay, uh-huh. we're going to go with it. Um, but I love... That after this happened with audiences, apparently children were just in hysterics over this because, especially with um, the resurgence of a pup named a pup named Scooby Doo had Scrappy in it at one point, I believe, or then they had a more recent show after a pup named Scooby Doo that was around the time this came out that had Scrappy. So kids that were young loved Scrappy. So when James Gunn made Scrappy evil, I guess especially with test audiences. Kids just had a fit. They were so upset that Scrappy was evil, and James Gunn thought it was hilarious. I mean, this is just anecdotal, but of people I know who've watched the original series, nobody likes Scrappy-Doo. Everybody hates Scrappy-Doo. He's the poochie of the Scooby-Doo show. (laughs) But kids kids love Jar Jar, too. That's what you have to Yeah, he's the cousin Oliver. He's the poochie. He's the the cutesy character that they dropped in because the ratings were going down. As a kid, as a kid, I thought, I I, I would see old episodes of Scooby-Doo and, uh, you know, like Nicole, like, it's a cartoon. I'm going to watch it. Um, Had slightly different reactions than Nicole to it overall. But I remember, like, oh, Scrappy-Doo, yay, he's a fun part of the gang because I'm a little kid and don't, like, appreciate all this stuff. He's a Jar Jar. You hate him as an adult. (laughs) Oh, now, see, Um, when I was watching it, I I was just like, oh, it's a Scrappy episode. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And now, now we have that, like, feeling about Scrappy-Doo, and yeah. it, it, it makes that a lot funnier, that Scrappy. But I had that as a kid, is what I'm telling oh, you. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> Nicole as a child was the exact same personality, just shrunken down, is it's what, mostly, what she's telling yeah, us. Yeah, mostly, honestly. But. All the other kids are sitting there eating their, their you know, cereal, watching firm cartoons. opinions. Nicole's there with a black coffee, and just, ugh, Scrappy. <laughs> no, no, no. I like, like, coffee ice cream hot, basically, oh, coffee, but... Um, Nicole, did, did you see Scrappy coming as the bad, the big bad, having yes. not seen this movie? It, the, the fact that they introduced him in a flashback, I'm just like, oh, I bet he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
But did but you think that he was inside of a Mr. Bean? Uh, Mr. Bean no, robot. I did not think he was inside Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he might be the brains behind it all, but I didn't think he was inside of a robot Mr. Bean, which is, I, I, that was And apparently had been inside of him for years. For two years, he'd been running yeah. it. <laughs> Mr. Bean has been living underneath this amusement park for two years. Mr. Mr. Mononucleosis, that was another bit that yeah. I was amused by, yeah, was that Fred could not remember how to pronounce his name. Name. Yeah, um, and we talked about that a little bit in the pre-show that you know he, the uh, who is the guy that plays Mr. Bean? Stop calling him Mr. Bean. Rowan Atkinson. Atkinson. Rowan Atkinson is is arguably one of them, probably the best actor in this movie, and his eye lines with Scooby really track well. Like there, there's some bad, you know, um, there's some bad attempts to lock eyes with where Scooby would be on mm-hmm. behalf of many of the actors here. And he, he kind of nails it. That scene where he's has Scooby in the, in the chair, he kind of nails it. Maybe it was easier because it was, you know, something stationary in stationary, the chair that he right. could keep looking at. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah, it looks good. Um, I don't know. He's great. I, the, quick digression, though. As long as we talk about Scooby and, like, the proliferation of Scooby snacks throughout this movie, I just want to linger on the fact that Shaggy meets a girl on a plane and bonds over the fact that they both love to eat dog food. They're vegetarian. <laughs> oh my god. It's not like dog um, food out of a can and right, you're eating it with a snacks. spoon. You know? <laughs> They're I mean, sure, but are you like flying around with milk bones? <laughs> uh, hey, if, if I found out they were delicious, then maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe, I guess so. Uh, so, so we've mentioned this a couple times. James Gunn uh, yeah. wrote this. James Gunn, of course, of Guardians of the Galaxy, The Suicide Squad, and many other popular I was properties. Genuinely, genuinely surprised because I'd forgotten. I didn't look up like anything about the movie, and then the credits start. And it's like screenplay R- by James right? James Gunn. I'm like, wait, really? <laughs> that explains it. It does yeah. explain all the clever touches here and there mm-hmm. in it. So. Yeah, I I, th- I think, like, if... I mean, it's because James Gunn wrote it that I think there is a lot of... And the casting, like, this could have been so much worse. It could have arguably been better in a number of ways. <laughs> um, but it also, like, could have been utter garbage. And I think the strength of James Gunn's writing and most of the cast coming together, like, makes this fun and watchable. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, it could have been, like you said, it could have been better, um, but yeah, it, it could have been absolute utter trash. And it, I will concede that it is not absolute utter <laughs> it's trash. It's not complete trash, it was, no. It was watchable. <laughs> so, and it got a sequel. It got, you know, Monsters Unleashed With, two uh, years later. With uh, Seth Green's in that one, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, so James Gunn actually was talking about this very recently. Um, just a couple months ago was the 19th anniversary of this being released, And he tweeted about it, and he said, For me, this was a harrowing day, as in, like, the release day. Uh, I had never been involved with a mainstream film, and I knew my career would be incredibly affected by how the movie did. The initial reviews were great, so it was exciting to see it first. I was going to be part of a hit. But the rest of the reviews poured in late Thursday and early Friday, and I saw that those first reviews were an anomaly, and we were getting shattered. Yes, I knew the movie wasn't perfect, and it wasn't exactly what I first envisioned, but I still thought it was fun, and kids loved it. 
So I went to sleep that night thinking I was perhaps part of a box office bomb. The next morning, I woke up at 5.30 a.m. by the head of Warner Brothers Productions telling me it had, 18, it had done $18 million the day before. It wasn't only a hit at the time. It was the biggest June opening for a film ever. It was a oh. mega hit. And in the manner of seconds, I went from being just another screenwriter uh, to a guy with a hit. And it changed my life completely. Wow. So Scooby. we do have to at least credit this movie for having James Gunn. <laughs> wow. It launched James Gunn's career. That is, that is wild. <laughs> Which is kind of great. So I'm, I'm here for that. Uh, but a couple more of our discussion topics that we have here. Well, um, maybe the parts that don't age well. That's where oh, I was yes. going to go yeah. next. Let's, let's talk about the one those. brown character who is performing a voodoo ritual. Not great. Uh, no, could have been. No. Could have been so Not much good. more. I, like, like I mean, that actor that in the brief time that he was on, the actor was like fun and and they don't do anything. And they with don't him. do. Yeah, it's <laughs> no. No, it's he literally has no point at yeah. any point. They should. I, mean, no. I think he tells him a no, little something in the second ritual, time they see him. The voodoo ritual never does anything. It's not like it's part no. of why the demons get banished again. It's just, it's nothing. They it's, just keep coming across this guy. Yeah, I do love that he tells Daphne that um, purple is a fall color, and it's May. Uh, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying, like, this actor... Never his, heard that before, I, but hey. But his delivery of that is just so great. Um, and that line, like, made me laugh, and like, that's the role that that actor got. It's like, he should have been someone else on the island uh, that wasn't mm-hmm. like a stereotype, a gross stereotype, helping them out in some way. And that would have been yeah. such a better use of that actor and actually getting like a person of color that's not relegated to the stereotype role in I'm, here. And I'm glad still... at least that he doesn't have an accent. A hundred percent agree. And you could still <laughs> make him a character that happens to live on the island. Like sure. that this island still had people living on it before they just turned it into an amusement park. Like he could still be the local that helps him along. But mm-hmm. he ends up just, you're, you're right, Nicole. He is a stereotype for two scenes, impacts the movie, and none, and <laughs> serves no purpose except to get a couple cheap laughs. And he, and he has, you know, he does, like David said, he does what he can with it, but... It's not great. No. Uh, also, the little person actor is credited as Tiny Henchman. Mm, also bad. Yeah. That's a bad look. I was At first, I was happy. I'm like, oh, look, you know, it's a little person. They're not basing jokes off of it. Mm-hmm. You know, this person is just part of the henchman team. <laughs> he's, and nobody he's makes a joke about it. And nobody makes a comment. And then he, the credits, it's Tiny Henchman. Yeah. I'm like, ugh. Oh, that sucks. No. And it's... <laughs> And there's also a couple of lines like going along with that that made me feel a little. Like, and this is this is stuff. Everything we're talking about in the 2000s, because it's bad but not egregious. Like it was passable, and I, I'm like I'm, yeah. I'm saying yeah. it's back. I don't want to say like oh it was totally cool then, but because they weren't making the little person the butt of the jokes and like the guy wasn't doing an accent, people were willing to like just you know overlook it. And there's also a line where when Fred is in Daphne's body and he says, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to look at myself naked. But then he takes a peek. He, like, literally, like, he just, oh, that that part skeeved me out is when he literally... He literally pulls back Daphne's shirt to look underneath yeah. and gives himself a woohoo. I really like, I, I did Christ, not like this that. Is like your, this is like your childhood friend. Like, yeah, no, no. no I, I, it's so invasive. It's bad. It's bad. 
I mean, I mean, honestly, a lot of the stuff that doesn't age well is surrounded around Fred because he just has this, like, like we mentioned earlier, this like jock slash frat boy slash a little bit pervy nature to him. Um, like at one point, he makes a comment. To Velma, where he says, "Dorky girls turn me on too." <laughs> I was like, "Good lord! Oh my god!" At least I was about been, to say who wrote that, but I know exactly who wrote that. Couldn't have been, you know. I find dorky girls attractive too. Mm-hmm. It couldn't have been. <sighs> at least, at least Velma like rolls her eyes. Yes. At it. Like it's not like taken yeah. as like oh a charming or like oh Fred. She's like oh. Oh, good Lord. This is why I haven't spoken to you in in three years or whatever. All right. Right. Though, as you put in our docket, Nicole, you know, since when is Velma insecure about being the nerd? Because she seems to have some of that here. And that always was her defining characteristic was that she was the brains and it was cool to be the brains because they all respected Velma, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Velma's never, oh, you know, I know I'm awkward. I know, you know. Mm-hmm. I I get picked last for teams. It's just like, no, no, she didn't. People yeah. would pick her first because she knew what the heck she was doing. And she was right. confident about who she was. And I did not like giving her insecurity about that. But, Nicole, they gave her a man <laughs> out of yeah, nowhere. That, that reeks Literally of, nowhere. That reeks of studio note of, like, everybody's got to have somebody yeah. to kiss at the end. 100%. But she doesn't. 100%. Oh, that's true. She doesn't <laughs> she doesn't kiss him, but she punches him, which I liked. Right. <laughs> that was a great. Oh, Linda yeah. Cardellini. No, Linda Cardellini is great. She is she is she is great. Um a couple other Oh yeah, speaking of that guy, a uh, best line in the movie, on the house. Nice sweater. <laughs> yeah. From Nicole. The, bar the bartender. Mm-hmm. Just passes her drinks says, on the house. Nice sweater. <laughs> yeah. Just, I lo- just the offhand, yeah. you know, oh, out of and, nowhere. Oh, and by the way, nice sweater. Yeah. And I, I wonder if that was 80 yard later, because you don't actually see the barman saying it. Probably. Right. Yeah. Now, in the early 2000s, there was a trend of turning shows from the 60s and 70s into a movie. Uh, David, you called se- some, some of them out. You know, not only this, but also The Honeymooners, Bewitched, Fat Albert. <sighs> Except Fat Albert was a TV sh- was a TV show? Fat Albert was a TV show. Yeah. I did not know that. Yep. Yeah. So, is it any run by Bill Cosby, show? which is... Uh, oh, no, the answer is no. Okay. <laughs> uh, moving right along. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- this was certainly a trend. You're absolutely right. Yep. And it's, uh, you know, they, um, they would, like, then modernize it a little bit and... And some sometimes like this also I guess this started a bit in the nineties. I'm looking at like a list here of like the Adams family and Beverly Hillbillies and Flintstones mm-hmm. and stuff. They just kinda continued into the two thousands and then like petered off and and eventually like fell away. A, a, I a, think it was quick we have to capitalize on this nostalgia before the original fans die (laughs) right (laughs) i I think that's genuinely part of it is that you just happen to have this sweet spot where people who did enjoy these in the 60s and 70s were now at a point where they could bring their kids Mm -hmm. right like you'd bring your kids to the go see scooby-doo because you grew up loving scooby-doo yeah that'd be my guess and i think like some of them had some success at being decent movies i mean the mission impossible series launched right uh the adams family the two live action adams family movies are 
really fun, really enjoyable watches. Yeah, they're great. Um, and then there's stuff like the Honeymooners and uh, lots the mod of mod squad, the mod squad, and the A Team movie. Um, and I think this this falls more on the line of like, okay, it's like it's it's a bit of a, a send up of the original, and like we're having fun making fun of it just a little bit. Right. It's Man, not I'm as tongue-in-cheek through... as the Brady Bunch, where everybody looks God. at them like they're all from another planet. I, but... I've forgotten about yeah. the Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> it's so fun. It's just a little... Just a, just a This has just a little touch of making fun of them mm-hmm. while still enjoying the characters. Yeah, it plays it plays with the tropes a bit. And, uh, you know, like, they get, they get Scooby Snacks to go into the, the, the spooky mansion or the spooky castle... And then, I, then right. when they're in there, Fred's like, all right, well, we're going to split up and look for clues. And Scooby and Shaggy, go do whatever it is you two do. Like, <laughs> right. Just ca- kind of calling it a question. We don't know why you're part of this team, but you are, and it works. <laughs> right. And Shaggy doesn't want to go in the castle because they always have paintings with eyes <laughs> that follow you around and suits of armor that are supposed to be statues, but actually have guys inside of them that follow you. <laughs> How many times did that happen? Twelve. <laughs> i wonder if they actually went back I, I was and counted the number that, of episodes yeah. where that happened because it does it happens in a bunch of old scooby-doo episodes <laughs> and david you're totally right because i'm looking through a list now and there's a couple others like from the 90s early 2000s i didn't realize casper was animated before it became a movie oh yeah oh, see and brett you're you're of that you're of the generation <laughs> too that like grew up with all these this is these are my childhood movies casper um Dudley do right. God, I'm so old. <laughs> With Brendan oh. Fraser. It's it's, uh, Nicole. Yeah, it's Nicole. I knew these were I or um You knew George of the Jungle oh, used yeah. to be an oh, animated I loved, thing. I loved George of the Jungle. Um I get that. And, one. And, well, I think there's And the, yeah. the, that's another movie that tries to be really tongue in cheek. Uh what, but Bullwinkle or George of the Jungle? George of the Jungle, but just like yeah. uh fails kind of miserably mm. with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but also we have we have to at least credit George George of the Jungle for giving us Brandon Fraser, right? <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, that. I mean, that poor guy spent years trying to keep up the body for that and working his tail off. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I- I'm ready for the Fraser Sons, which I think we're oh, about. God, to enter. that movie's going to be terrible. Or that show's going to be so bad. None of none of the uh, other original cast members. Which show? Fraser. No, I'm talking about the Brendan Fraser oh, song. God, sorry, I thought it's you were a talking. Renaissance of Brendan Fraser. <laughs> watching, well, I hit a nerve. I've been watching. Yeah. So Fraser's been like my show to like have on while I'm doing stuff lately, and I've just like been enjoying it. And so when he said Fraser songs, I was like, no, that show's gonna gonna suck. It should stay dead. It should. <laughs> no. People finally care about Brendan Fraser again. Yes. He got casted in like a like a Scorsese film or something it, like that, and then he's got. Doom Patrol, Doom Patrol and people finally care about Doom Patrol because it's on HBO and you can watch it now and it's not on some random obscure streaming service. So, anyway, uh, <laughs> I, we're talking about Brendan Fraser because we're out of discussion topics, so that's probably a good time to start wrapping up. <laughs> um, I, Scooby-Doo I mean, 2002. It's a kid's movie, yeah. you know? There's not yeah. There's it, not a lot of subtext to it no, to dig into no. other than you know, students going to some resort area for spring break it would have been nice to maybe throw in a little commentary about you know pampered rich kids mm-hmm. um yeah. 
I mean, with but, the with the with the local character, you could have had a whole commentary on like, yeah, absolutely. This this used to be an island like inhabited by you know the native population who wasn't white, and then white people came on and were like, we're going to build an amusement park, and they like sort of sort of hinted that with like the when the guy's giving his speech of like there there used to be other people on this island and. But mm-hmm. it, it doesn't do anything with it in any way to actually mean anything. We didn't even talk about the like the bald villain who Oh, is, the British guy yeah. who's playing a set quasi Pacific Islander. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Dur- during like the scenes knocked straight out of Temple of Doom. Yeah. That <laughs> dude's actually made a career out of playing quasi brown people. Um <laughs> Ooh, usually like Arabic descent characters, I think. Um who is he? Ben but, Kingsley? I understand that Ben Kingsley yeah. has has He's actually, actually like <laughs> Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> got some background, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, they had like the native dances to appease the gods mm-hmm. sort of yeah. thing. I'm I'm not and, the only one that saw the Temple of Doom in there, right? Oh no, it's totally no, a little it's, bit. It's, yeah. Okay. yeah, it's riffing. It's, it's pretty on the nose, right? Okay, with the bald guy and the mm. and the the brainwash people and the and the ritual. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're they could have been more direct and had him literally pulling people's protoplasmic pulling spirits Scooby's out of their bodies. Heart out. Oh, I, oh <laughs> the, the scene when boy that would have been something. I mean, they more or less pull Scooby's heart out. It's a little like Scooby dies briefly in this movie. It's a little scary, but I love when Shaggy is digging people out of the um, the protoplasm, and he pulls out some random guy. He's like, "Oh, thank God, you saved me." And Shaggy's like, oh, actually, I'm just looking for my friends. And then just puts him back. <laughs> puts him back in. Digs, digs out the next yeah. person. But, but, but you're right, David. There's, there's, a, there's a brief, like, 20-second moment in this movie where a, limped, a limp-bodied Scooby just mm. kind of hunches over. Yeah. And it hurt. It was so <laughs> sad. I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't emotionally prepared for that at, like, 3 a.m. last night. <laughs> I, don't, so. I don't know that they're actually dead i think they're just unconscious because the demons can move can then move in so mm-hmm. right uh, i don't know what else to call them i forget if they have a different name but they're kind of like giant-sized gremlins name. yeah so they're, they're also the scooby looking monster things but they're yeah also like- i did like the oh sorry go ahead brett no they're, they're smart enough to read and write at least because they lay a trap for scooby with the hamburgers in the oh. forest so <laughs> go to the they oh, use the phone oh we oh, I almost didn't even mention probably my favorite joke in the movie is i've got a call for a mr do uh <laughs> melvin do no scooby <laughs> there's just some kid there and then they call it back at the end yeah. when scrappy's like and, he, and then it pans and the brainwashed melvin do is standing right next to him i love that there's right. a, it's, it's, i think that's a name that somebody might have <laughs> and his name's melvin all i need to complete my transformation is scooby doo <laughs> wait don't you mean melvin do seize them right I just wanted to right. compliment the set design and that how well they nail the the look of the old school cartoon. I mean the the production is fairly good. They like yeah. They lean into their aesthetic. There's some it's money. They shot well this made. for months in uh, yeah. in Queensland and and essentially built an amusement park. <laughs> so 
Yeah. It looks great. I mean, especially the castle. The haunted castle is is mm, Scooby Doo. Yeah. So looks good. Looks good. Rowan Atkinson does a great job acting opposite an imaginary dog <laughs> and doing what, it with a completely straight face. Do? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, a joke's on you, audience, because I awoke to this, you know, glorious film, loving it apparently, and David <laughs> liked it all along. So really, you just did it to Nicole. So yeah, it's really just you did this to Nicole. I, I had, Next time, I had, buy me a drink first, guys. I had watched this movie of my own volition like a month ago. <laughs> there, was, there, was, there was nothing <laughs> wrong with you stopping me <laughs> from watching this already. Oh my gosh! All right, well, well, this this ends movie ghoul round. We have to wait another year before we do it. We'll still watch horror movies. We watch them year yes. round. You know, they they sneak their way in throughout the uh, episodes. Usually but for it's me. Been, <laughs> yeah, but it's been it's been quite a journey for the last for the last four five weeks. Um, and we hope everyone has a wonderful Halloween this evening. I guess go around the table really quick. Is anyone doing anything fun this evening when it comes oh. out on Halloween? I'm seeing. Uh, no. I, I'm go- <laughs> I'm seeing Halloween at the Alamo Draft House. The original, well, that's a thing. yeah, the original. Nice. The there original Halloween yeah. or Halloween Kills? No, the original Halloween. Like they're playing, uh, they're playing well, the original one. Yeah. Oh, right on. I'll recommend Halloween Kills to the audience. It's the Empire Strikes Back of the group. It's not meant to be fun. So. I heard it was more like the Return of the Jedi of the group. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, but who knows? We don't have the third one yet. But all right. Well, we'll close it on that. Uh, movie Ghoul Round. We'll see you again next year for that. But again, next week we are starting a brand new round with The Social Network starting off new to two. David and Nicole have not seen it. David, where can people find you online? Davluz, D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter and Instagram. Find me there. And Nicole. You can find me at Nicole underscore Davis on Letterboxd. Very good. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. You can email the show. Hi, H-I, at MGRpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. Did you also grow up with Scooby-Doo the movie, or did you watch it later and hate it? Uh, or somewhere in the middle? Please let us know. Hi, at MGRpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. And you can find all the links to everything, MGRpodcast.com. But that'll do it for myself, David, and Nicole. We'll see you next week with New to Two. It's a social network. 